Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. folks, and welcome to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions. Gwilda Wiecka here. This hour, we'll be exploring authenticity. From the moment of birth, a vital part of our nature begins to erode. Some lose it sooner than others, but we're all impacted by the loss, the loss of our authenticity. Happiness, mental stability, creativity, ability to manifest, and basic physical health 
all depend upon the authentic expression of our spirit through all four levels, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. Yet, through the brumps and bruises of life, we systematically disconnect from authentic expression, replacing it with social programming, patterns, defense mechanisms, knee-jerk reactions, and false belief systems, until we're mere shadows of our true potential. If this is left uncorrected, our lives become increasingly dysfunctional, eventually resulting in failure to thrive. The walk out of this sad condition is as complex and convoluted as the original damage that put us there. Most modern-day treatments fail to recognize the importance of treating on all four levels of being, bringing them back to their original frequency and restoring their ability to channel our authentic spirit. The only way to become whole once again is to treat the entire person, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. How can this be accomplished? How can we hope to navigate our way back to our true nature, our authentic being? Our guest this hour has dedicated her life to helping others back to authenticity. With us is Deborah Meal, co-author of Joyful Transformation. She's an educator and author who established and manages the Meal Foundation. Deborah is an interdenominational pastoral counselor with a doctorate of divinity and an intensely, intensively trained DBT skills trainer, an Amen certified brain health coach, and a board certified hypnotist. As president of the founder of the Meal Foundation, Deborah has worked exclusively with clients from around the world helping them surmount dogma, ego, expectation, irrational belief, and cyclic suffering in order to create a life worth living. For over 10 years, Deborah has dedicated herself to helping countless men and women heal negative patterns and trauma and step into a life of authenticity and purpose. Her website, mealfoundation.org. Deborah, thanks so much for joining us on The Science of Magic. Thank you so much for having me. You're the founder of the Meal Foundation. What is that exactly? Well, um, we started the foundation um, some 10 plus years ago. And we, you know, just we decided that what we needed to do was to, again, re- be able to reach out to other people. Um, it's We specialize in bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder. And we have a, uh, a treatment program that actually helps people. They come to stay with us for 90 days at a time. And um, we actually help people um, get their lives back on track, as you so eloquently stated just a few moments ago, and actually um, be able to help people integrate back into society. What drew you to this work? Well, um, 18 months after uh, my husband and I got married, um, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And at the time, um, had a lot of the characteristics for borderline personality disorder. And we searched high and low um, for doctors and or therapists. It was a daunting, um, a daunting uh, experience to go through. And um, it was through a lot of trial and error uh, that we finally found a therapist um, that understood emotional regulation and distress tolerance and um, what people needed to do uh, to transform their life. He was also a minister, um, actually um, was a great um, therapist and uh, realized that mind, body, and spirit needed to be connected. And that, along with um, medication, is what um, turned Mark's life around. And for me, because we, I had spent hours and hours researching, uh, trying to find solutions, I just thought to myself, there, there just has to be a better way. Um, well, and we'll, we'll, so that's, what, that's what we 
I'm hopefully going to talk about today. Yes, hopefully we'll get to talk about that better way on the other side of this commercial break. Deborah and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Our current episodes are aired daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. In service to our listeners, prior innovative episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. We're very proud to be produced by Relmar McConnell Media Company, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. President of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good to Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? 
What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. Dedicated to Unification and Evolution of Consciousness, I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Deborah Meal, founder of the Meal Foundation and co-author of Joyful Transformation. Her website, mealfoundation.org. Deborah, I understand you work with a team of providers. Um, what forms do they practice? Well, um, we have a, an addiction um, therapist. Um, we have a, um, a life coach, um, and uh, we have a, a dialectical behavioral therapist also. All of them have been trained um, in aim and brain health also, along with um, extra modalities that they're interested in, like yoga, uh, um, meditation, hypnosis, and that type of thing also. What made you decide on those particular forms? Well, I think what happened was is when we started this program, um, again, we were looking for things that made a difference uh, for people that were effective, um, easy for them to be able to access and to be able to do, um, and things that were actually proven to change brain chemistry and to help people move forward um, quickly and effectively. So um, how do you address all four levels of your clients, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual? Well, we address that um, because dialectical behavioral therapy, quite honestly, um, looks at all of that in regards to emotional regulation. So, for example, um, in emotional regulation, there are certain skills. Um, it, it, you know, for example, if you have a toothache all the time or, you know, you've stubbed your toe, um, you're going to be emotionally dysregulated. So one of the things about dialectical behavioral therapy is it actually looks at addressing physical, emotional mental, um, again, um, helping people be able to train them to get out of their looped thinking. And then also it addresses um, that spiritual component also, which my clients talk a lot about is feeling empty inside. So are you saying that, um, I think I need you to go more into that kind of therapy. I'm, I'm not familiar with it. Um, where did it originate and how has it been proven? Well, Marshall Linehan um, is the you know, what I will call the founder of dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, and um, she had a, a 
an experience, you know, as a child, uh, my understanding is of trauma and that kind of thing. And she actually moved from a spiritual path into a psychological path. Um, she actually has a PhD, and she's the one that actually de- developed um, dialectical behavioral therapy. And DBT has an 87% success rate in treating people with um, profound, um, I'll say, emotional disorders, borderline personality disorder being one of those. And done correctly, um, DBT, according to the scientific standard, that's you know a model that's been researched for probably 15 years. Um, people actually develop life skills. Um, So the skills of radical acceptance, the skills of learning to modulate their emotions, learning to come into the present moment, all of those skills are taught in kind of a linear fashion. Um, So as you develop, um, for example, a skill of mindfulness and awareness, um, as you start to understand that you can watch your own thinking, for example, something that we don't teach a lot of times to our children anymore these days, as you develop those types of skills, you're then able to, again, learn um, to regulate and modulate your emotion so that you're acting in a way that doesn't push people away from you um, and doesn't isolate you, So just you're, as, a, as an example. So you're helping people find their witness, I certainly I think that that's a good way of explaining it. And then also it sounds like the systematic linear way of doing it you're actually rewiring the neurological pathways that create the knee jerk reactions to stimulus. Absolutely. Um, because what happens is um, once you've responded poorly um, and um, there's a great book out called Don't Shoot the Dog um, <laughs> that all DBT therapists read. Um, And it's a very simple book um, written by a woman that actually trained dolphins. And it's very interesting. We like to think that we're incredibly uh, evolved creatures in many ways that we are. But the interesting thing is that our emotional response to things um, lots of times aren't very evolved. So what happens is, is that once you become that witness, as you call it, once you're able to observe your own thinking, you're able to then make better choices emotionally, which then changes your behavior. It's, it's really a skill set that we've forgotten more than anything, isn't it? I think so. Um, I'm mortified when I look at TV, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> what and are they I, teaching, right? <laughs> and, I, and I look at, and I look at the, what I call trauma drama programs on TV um, that teaches people how to respond inappropriately. And we all laugh and we think it's funny. Um, and quite frankly, um, it's not funny. Um, children have very concrete thinking. Um, They have a prefrontal cortex, that's the part of your brain right behind your eyebrows, that is insight, hindsight, and foresight. And if we're not using that part of our brain effectively and we're not teaching children how to use that part of the brain, then we end up with an adult population that has no insight, has no hindsight, and has no foresight. Well, you just about uh, summed it up there, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) Did you find it problematic integrating spiritual healing with various religious beliefs of your clients? Um, I don't personally, but I know that there are a lot of people that do. Um, For me, it's about taking the kernel of truth out of all religions. Um, I've always been able to. um, I was raised very conservative Christian view, um, which um, as an adult, I really had a hard time because it didn't feel like unconditional love to me. And I believe the basis of most religions has to do with that unconditional love and being able to 
be united um, with the God of their understanding, with the divine of their understanding, however it is that you wish to call it. And I believe that that core is within each of us. So for me, when I look at my clients, um, I rarely see somebody that is just sick. What I see is I'm usually able to see that divine child of God within them um, and then be able to help them navigate a better um, way of life. How much do you think um, of your, your client's suffering and condition is nature and how much is nurture? In other words, how much did they come in with as far as genetic predisposition and how much was caused by trauma after they got here? Well, that's a really good question. Um, I'd like to say 50-50, but I don't know that that's necessarily the case. What I'd like to think of is that um, we're all loaded and coded with um, certainly a program, I think, when we get here. Um, but I also think that a great deal of what we experience here is trauma. And then again, because as children, we have that very um, concrete thinking, um, that trauma can be very profound for us. Um, so I believe that, you know, we can go in and we can change that. Um, and I believe that that happens on a spiritual and emotional basis also. Yeah, if if you just medicate it or if you just try to uh, process it mentally, you're still plagued, aren't you? Absolutely. Um, and that's why, again, um, you know, my book is, you know, looking at the linear things that we can change, being able to be aware of your ego and your triggers and that type of thing. But by no means is that, do I think that that's the be-all, end-all? I don't. Um, I believe that, again, Again, everything must be taken care of on a spiritual level also. Um, And I believe leaving that section off um, really sets people up um, for failure because people can come to me and say, well, I've learned all the skills, but I still feel this emptiness. I still feel this draw. There's something missing in my life. Um, And when people start talking to to me about that, I begin asking them questions, and usually what it is that, that, that's missing is that deep connection um, to the, the divine flow of life, mm, however which is it the is deep that connection, you want. Deep connection to yourself. So we fragment Absolutely. off from our natural expression with the trauma, and we can fix our responses, but we, if, if we don't reconnect, we're still empty. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Ooh. Would you mind describing what you mean by the spiritual aspect of a person? You're not talking religion particularly, are you? I'm not. Um, and it's, um, that's a really interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Um, I think that um, the spirit within us, um, your, your soul, your deep connection, um, I like to, um, I think a, an example is, is, you know, I'm part of the ocean. I'm not the ocean itself. But I'm a big part of that ocean. So if you take a cup of, you know, water out of the ocean, um, it's still ocean. So for me, that deep spiritual part of me is also part of the earth. It's part of the spirit. It's part of the divine flow. Um, There's no part of, you know, it's like, you know, God is everywhere for me. I don't know what it's like for everybody else, but there is no place that God is not. So if I'm here, then God's here, and you're here, and God's here, and the earth is here, and God's here. So it's moving in and being congruent um, with that divine flow. So it sounds like you're talking about uh, in a scientific way would be like the quantum level of life, where all things connect. Sure. Absolutely. 
Um, and I believe that we're either in that flow or we're moving against that flow. And what I tell people is that for me, I see it as I am in a kayak or I'm in a canoe. Um, and if I get turned upside down in the water, I can flail around uh, like a crazy person and drowned. Um, or I can, again, take, a, you know, consciously um, relax, um, use my oar, hopefully, or something to push off of the rocks or uh, obstacles in my way until I pop back up. But flailing around um, is absolutely ineffective. And usually that's an emotional response. Um, it's not a quiet, still response. So if I want to get back into that flow, I need to regulate my terror, quite frankly, um, if I'm in that kind of situation, I need to regulate that so that, again, I can be moved into that divine flow. Um, and then, again, it becomes more peaceful and it becomes more effective for me to navigate the water. So when you're in the divine flow, you're able to see where the flow is going rather than fighting against it. I think so. Um, I think that our emotion, I think our emotion is really important. Our emotion is important if we're out of the flow because we can witness that and we can make a choice. Our emotion is also important to be in the flow. When I'm in peace and I'm in love and I'm in harmony, then I'm within that flow. And if I am in anything else that doesn't look like that, um, again, fear specifically, you know, I write about fear, obligation, and guilt. If I'm in that flow, then I'm moving out of the flow. And usually that becomes really uncomfortable. So... As I navigate my emotion, uh, um, I am looking, um, again, I'm trying to be aware and mindful and looking to where I need to go in my life. And as things open up, I say, well, this is an opportunity. And as things close, I say, well, this is not an opportunity, and I move on. Don't you feel like we're kind of hardwired to seek joy and comfort, and that's our guidance? Well, I'd like to think that we are, but I can tell you that there's a lot of people out there that don't seem to be hardwired to seek that. Um, they seem to be hardwired to seek drama and trauma um, because, again, um, there is an endorphin rush when that happens. So a lot of my clients um, specifically that I, that I have that seek um, to have that part of their life filled with something, um, they are seeking um, – uh, to have something filled and they pick something negative, not knowing that there is something positive out there to choose instead. Well, we'll have to talk more about drama, trauma, and, and, and seeking it on the other side of this commercial break. Deborah and I will just return to our discussion, so don't go away. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net, 24-7, 365. You're listening to The Science of Magic, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. are our personal gateways into infinite wisdom. Don't miss Shamanic Counselor and Indigenously Trained Dream Decoder Sandra Corcoran's inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening Between the Dark and the Daylight. 
This remarkable work chronicles Sandra's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers and her initiations throughout the Americas and across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt. Sandy's knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private tarot readings, international journeys, a meditative CD, as well as her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate this earthwalk, creating a deeper connection to yourself and all that is. Find this and more at Sandy's website, starwalkervisions.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Deborah Meal, 
founder of the Meal Foundation. Her website, mealfoundation.org. Deborah, we were talking about drama, trauma, and things that go bump. Um, how, okay. much you, how much do you think that people's... Um, the we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pound i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer companies that set out to change the world should stand for something something that matters for tanium it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. Um, distraction and draw, being drawn to drama, trauma, is a matter of projecting how they feel inside and acting it out on the outside. Oh, I, I believe it's absolutely, you know, uh, it's a very large portion, if not the entire portion. Um, and they don't know what it is that they're looking for. So they, they attempt to fill it um, with um, with that distraction, whatever that may be. Um, they fill it with relationships um, that are abusive. They fill it with, you know, coming home and, you know, uh, you know, watching TV for hours on time, they fill it with video games, they fill it with eating, they fill it with, you know, whatever addiction um, that they may or may not have um, at the time. And and it is only through um, observing that and choosing to be mindful of that that you're able to make any changes in regards to that. So what's the value of a residential program versus an outpatient one? Well, I would like to think that the value would be that, you know, we eat, breathe, and live um, distress tolerance and emotional regulation and mindfulness here. So when people come into a, um, a program uh, that provides that kind of environment, you're changing the environment. People that are in an outpatient program, you're able to give them skills. And if they go back into an environment that's not conducive, um, to using those skills and allowing the brain a chance to rest and heal, it's very difficult. Um, it can take months, uh, if not years, um, for people to have enough skill base that they can be mindfully aware um, to um, be able to make the changes that they need to make. Aren't, aren't those changes sometimes monumental? I mean, we, we design our lives around our dysfunction. And if we're trying to come out of our dysfunction, we need to redesign our lives. Right. Um, absolutely. I think they are monumental. So when you work with the residential program, do you do something special to the space to create a, a container for these people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, you know, I and it's very funny uh, that you should ask me about that because, um, quite frankly, nobody else has ever asked me about that. Um, I, um, I certainly believe in pro- Prayer, I believe in holding um, space for people to be able to heal. Um, I actually, um, you know, we sage, um, we smudge. Um, I have an, an intention of divine white light um, that's in, through, and around my place, in, through, and around my clients. I actually teach them how to um, drop down into trance um, to be able to see that divine white light in them, through them, around them. Um, I have many clients um, that feel more connected um, after we do that. Uh, and some of my clients, um, again, I look at 
a way that doesn't offend them um, spiritually for whatever it is, uh, whatever religion that they've been brought up with. But most of my clients are um, very open uh, to looking at uh, what they can use within their own belief systems to be able to make and hold that space for themselves also. Do you find that the space outside uh, that you're creating for these people is only as good as your space inside? And would you speak to that? Um, yes, um, but sometimes as human beings, I think that uh, our space on the inside uh, is, is changing and evolving. So one of the things that I have found, at least within myself, is that if I am having a particularly hard day, and occasionally that has, does happen, I mean, I am human still, um, I want you to know that I am able to, I can create a space um, and call upon, I will say, much higher energy than what I have to be able to hold that space, even though I'm moving through a difficult time myself. But that also means that I have a team of other people that I'm very honest with, um, and I'm also asking them to hold a space too. Um, and they all believe in holding space also, and so we're able to help one another um, because we are a team here. I mean, it has to be challenging when you're working with people that are that distressed to hold center for yourself all the time. Um, yes, um, it can be. Um, I think that what happens is, is that the minute somebody is distressed, I immediately start looking um, for that particular trigger for that individual, and we work as quickly as possible to move them out of their distress. So um, again, I'm working with that person, um, again, asking them to use the tools that they have to call upon that space for themselves to be changed as quickly as possible. Uh, Again, through thinking about divine white light, um, holding that centered sacred space for them, talking about radical acceptance, asking them to use a particular skill, something as simple as applying ice to the back of your neck. Um, We use bag of peas here. Um, Those types of things quickly change emotion, uh, which then quickly change brain chemistry, which then enable people, again, I think, to tap back into that centered space of peace and joy, which, as you said, I think most of us don't understand that that is the way Um, that we are supposed to be um, wired. And so once we're shown that, and that can happen very quickly, it's easier for people. Do you find that you um, teach by example a lot? Uh, Yes, I think so. Um, People wonder um, why I'm as calm as I am. And I said, well, you didn't understand, you know, as Mark and I were going through um, an enormous um, crazy time in our life um, when his emotions were absolutely out of control, I could learn um, to keep my emotions in check. And I did that. We did that, by the way, in an outpatient setting. But Mark saw the therapist that we were using one day a week. I saw the same therapist that same week. And then we saw him together as a couple that that same week. And that's how we were able to transform and make that change. And one of the things that the therapist said to me is that one day he said, you're going to find all of this very funny. And I looked at him and I said, you just don't know me very well. (laughs) (laughs) So tell Um, me, did did you end up finding it funny? I I did. There were (laughs) things that that happened along the way, um, 
you know, when Mark was dysregulated, um, he attempted, um, he put up uh, our Christmas tree together uh, in our bedroom uh, one uh, Christmas, and um, it was a pull apart Christmas tree, and then he got it stuck in the doorway. And he was so dysregulated that he went to yank the tree through the dis- through the doorway, and it wouldn't fit. And he yanked so hard hard that he literally flew back from and landed squarely on his behind and I want you to know I went into the kitchen and I I was laughing so hard I was crying and and um and I didn't think that he would find it very funny but you know it took him about 10 minutes to realize that it truly had looked like something from the three stooges and at that point I knew that I could um, I could change my emotional response to certain things um, and that I wasn't always going to have to um, hold him up um, and shore him up in regards to emotional things that were happening to him, that I could let loose and things could actually be personally funny for me, even though um, it wasn't necessarily a funny situation. Well, humor um, it is wasn't the funny, key, isn't it? It is. It's it is. absolutely it's... such a key to survival. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So do do you tailor treatment to the individual, and why do you see that as important? Well, I think it's important. Um, there's a lot of um, tr- treatment centers out there that take 30 or 40 people at a time. Mm-hmm. We, we don't do it that way. We only take four clients at a time. And the reason that I think that it's so important is because everybody brings something different um, with them when they need, you know, care. So, for example... You know, I can say across the board, you know, we'd like to say that trauma is trauma is trauma, but it's really not. Everybody's trauma is a little different. And the interesting thing is that some people's trauma um, is they will have more of a physical response. Some people's trauma, they'll have more of an emotional response. Some people's trauma, they have more, quite frankly, of a of a spiritual response. Um, I have pe- people that come into my program that are angry at the universe and angry at God. Um, that's going to be, I'm going to look at that differently than people that are continually um, trying to, you know, be in drama-filled relationships where they pick the wrong person again and again and again. So what happens is that we're able to look at those things individually and give people skills and talk to them continually in regards to how a particular skill can help them, mind, body, spirit, soul, that type of thing. Mm. So yes, it is individualized. You know, I love this statement you shared with me before the show, and I quote, Reconnecting your spiritual being with your human being is the truest form of authenticity. Once we raise our threshold to tolerance, distress, and learn the skills to quiet our minds, we can then connect to all that is. That's a really powerful statement, Deborah. What is this authenticity you're speaking of? I think it is. um, We are, again, I think my personal belief is that we come from the ether, and we are loaded and coated with um, a plan. Um, I think that we have choice along the way, um, but I tell people all the time that you've, you're in the wrong job and you're married to the wrong person. There's not a pill for that. There's no way to fix that. Um, you're out of the divine flow. So when we unite our spiritual self with our human beingness, when we actually connect with that, um, and we do that through prayer and meditation and hypnosis and journeying and all the, whatever that form is that allows us to get into that flow, when that happens and we're able to unite our human beingness with our spiritualness, what I think happens is that we open up and um, we are able to mature 
in our particular evolution, whatever that may be, because we're no longer just following the dictates of society. We're actually doing what's right for us. And as we do that, we become holy ourselves, and then we're able to give back um, to our community um, and the and the earth, so to speak, and and to eat to ourselves. We give back to ourselves. We find that that thing on the inside um, that sustains us, that loves us. Um, one of the things that I say is that God is my source and my supply. There is no person, place, or thing that can be the source of my supply. And once we tap into that, um, I believe that we're unstoppable. The, but again, it sounds like there might be a fair amount of dismantling of the status quo involved when we <laughs> have built a dysfunctional life uh-huh. around our dysfunction. Oh, right? boy, isn't there ever. And it's, and it's, uh, and it's an interesting road to navigate. I tell people that change isn't hard. Um, change, if you believe change is hard, it's going to be very difficult for you to do it, but it's inconvenient um, because, you know, your ego is absolutely going to latch on um, to, um, to not, you know, making a shift because, um, again, we are um, power and control, security and survival and esteem and affination. Our ego has those three legs to it. And at any point in time, one of those legs becomes shorter, um, as in someone has sought it off or, you know, we've been or we felt attacked. That's where it becomes difficult. So when you, uh, you know, go home and you announce that you're going to be a brain surgeon and your family tells you that you're just not smart enough to be a brain surgeon, there's a real rub there. And so what happens then is that, again, Lots of us aren't fulfilling our destiny and what it is that we could be doing because um, well, we've we're going to have to, we're gonna have to talk about brain surgery on the other side of a commercial break. <laughs> Deborah and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, 
at WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at info at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that would enjoy listening. Our guest this hour is Deborah Meal, co-author of Joyful Transformation. Her website, mealfoundation.org. We were talking about brain surgery, as I recall. <laughs> what? What? advice do you have for people that find themselves in an unsupportive situation? Um, 
Is there some way that we can find that support from within, from that place of source that you're talking about? Absolutely. You know, I, I tell people, you know, there's, um, there's four ways to solve any problem. Um, you can solve the problem. You can leave. You can get out of the situation. Uh, um, you can learn skills and change the situation. Um, you can feel better about the problem. You can tolerate the problem or you can stay miserable. So um, usually staying miserable at some point um, is no longer an option for us. But when you're in an unsupportive environment, you actually can learn to um, regulate your emotional responses to that if you're unable to get out of that particular situation. Um, You can accept and tolerate both the problem and your response to the problem, um, and you can solve the problem. Um, One of the ways that, again, that you, as you mentioned, that you do that is finding that deep peace within. And as you find that deep peace within, as you hold that space for yourself, you're actually able to hold that space then um, in your surrounding environment. And so I believe that lots of times, um, you know, the environments that we've been placed in are environments for us to um, have a high level of learning. Now, that being said, if the environment is too dysfunctional, then the brain just continues to be re-traumatized again and again and again, and not a lot of progress is made. So basically, you need to know when to say when, huh? Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, there's usually people in our life that are telling us and giving us signs all the time. You know, a lot of my younger clients in their 20s, you know, have girlfriends and that kind of thing that have, you know, say to them, well, you know, we told you Billy was bad for you. And so you just kept going back. So, you know, why do you keep doing this? We usually have signs, but we don't want to, again, listen to those people around us. Um, Usually it's because out of security, um, especially for women. Um, It's about security and esteem and affirmation, and we, you know, don't want to admit that we've chosen someone, you know, that's wrong for us because, again, we think that reflects poorly upon us. And um, and then lots of times, quite frankly, you know, women stay um, in relationships that aren't necessarily um, good for them uh, because of the financial gain. Um, We're terrified to live in a shelter or think that we're going to have to live underneath a bridge. Um, So again. Um, there's a lot of that goes into looking at fear, obligation, and guilt uh, in regards to our human experience. Mm. Let's talk about stories. You speak of the stories mm. we tell ourselves. What do you mean by that? Well, wow. we are given um, stories uh, as children. Um, I grew up, you know, my grandmother said that um, money, you know, doesn't grow on trees. Um, and ultimately what that means to a child is that money's hard to come by. So we believe that growing up. And then we, our lives are shaped by that because we continue to make choices based upon that. The other thing that I found out, oh, it was about six months ago. Um, she used to t- tell me all the time not to get too big for my britches, uh, which <laughs> means that I was not supposed to outshine her. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to outshine the family. Um, I want you to know that um, it was about six months ago. Uh, I was actually at a conference, and somebody else mentioned that, and it was like somebody had thrown cold water on me. I immediately knew uh, that, that you know this person standing up and sharing this was for me also, and that I was going to need to correct that because what that means then is that um, I'm not supposed to step into my own power. I'm not supposed to step into my own destiny, and I'm certainly not supposed to outshine any of my family. And um, that can be crippling. I mean, it's like being hamstrung, right? Yeah, absolutely. So so, um, at 55, uh, which I I am this year, um, you think that as you're evolving and you're, you know, learning distress tolerance and emotional 
from regulation, um, things continue to unfold to you. And that was one of the ones that was just really profound for me this year. Mm. Mm. So you also speak of life purpose. What is life purpose as you see it? I I think, again, that um, everyone's purpose here is different. And I told my children um, as they were growing up, um, if you're supposed to be a surgeon, I'm going to support you. And if you're supposed to dig a ditch, I'm going to support you. I think everyone is here to, um, again, do something here. Um, and I think that that's different for everyone. What I think happens is, is that if you are doing, um, if you wake up in the morning and you are excited to do whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's waitressing or digging a ditch or brain surgery or, you know, flying to the moon, you're going to be happy about doing that. If you're not happy about doing it, then again, you need to get quiet and still on the inside to figure out what it is that you are supposed to do. Again, we have a whole population of people that believes that the reason that that they're unhappy, uh, they just need to pop a pill for and everything will be fine. Uh, I'm not real sure that that's a good way. And I don't think it's sustainable um, for um, the next several generations to continue to do that. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you wa- if I want to know truth, I go back to nature. And if you, watch animal, if you watch animals, they are drawn to what's good for them and avoid what's dangerous. Where did we get off track? Um, I think we, we get conditioned. Um, and again, I think we get conditioned by our environment and we get conditioned um, by what our parents did. We get conditioned by the TV. Um, we get conditioned by a lot of things. And so, again, as you said, it is getting back to nature and being observant. One of the things that mindfulness, if you're actually learning a skill of mindfulness, it's different than just sitting in meditation. Um, Being mindful to your surroundings is actually a teachable skill. And because we've gotten so far away from nature, we don't teach children to do that anymore. Um, and I think that getting back to that is what actually does help center them and for us too. Um, again, um, mindfulness and awareness and observation is a teachable skill. And then you ask, you know, again, those prefrontal cortex questions, the insight, the hindsight and the foresight um, through fables and through stories and through metaphors. How is this important? Um, but again, we've gotten away from that. And I think uh, drawing people back to that. Um, is what's going to be sustainable for us going forward. Yeah, you know, it's it's right down to the way we use our eyes. Uh, when I teach wilderness programs for children, I take them on walks, and I'll toss, I'll have a pocket full of sticks or rocks, and I'll toss them off to the side so that the kids' eyes are drawn to the side instead of just straight in front of them like they're staring at a TV set. And then you, right. if you combine that with rapid eye movement, you realize we have really narrowed our perception by narrowing our perception. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have a a granddaughter that is almost three, and she's remarkably smart. But I want you to know that one of the things is that between my house and the tree where her little swing is, um, because we live in Texas, um, we have copperheads here and water moccasins here. Um, I am constantly um, asking her to be observant. Um, And I said, um, you know, as she leaves the, the porch and she's walking towards something, I say, Please, please look in the grass. Now, I don't say that because I want her to be alarmed. I say that because I'm trying to teach her to be observant. Um, And it's the same thing. You know, we have biting ants 
skier and all kinds of things. Um, she's very observant um, to, again, um, is starting to become more and more observant, more observant of the butterflies and the ants and the, the things around her. And I, again, I think that that's a teachable skill. Yeah, it is. And, you know, we have to we have to be in the world and be aware of the world rather than just isolate from it. Don't you believe? I do. And I think that when we're in the world, we also need to be asking ourselves questions again about why people behave the way that they do and why they see things the way that they see it. And we do that in a non-judgmental way. Um, and as we do that, we expand not only our own horizons, but that individual that we're talking to also and we're asking questions. Um, so I, I just think that that's really important as we go forward and, in, in, you know, and in, in, again, interaction with people. What do you consider irrational beliefs? Um, irrational beliefs are things, again, that we've usually been conditioned and told. Um, so, for example, um, I'll just tell you personally, one of my irrational beliefs is that I have to be unfailingly competent in all that I do. And I got that because I was brought up in a surrounding um, that accepted nothing less. Now, mind you, on one hand, I was told I wasn't to be too big for my britches. Um, but then on the other hand, I was also it was also informed to me that nothing less than an A um, was successful. In fact, mm. I got as a child, um, and it's not that it's a bad thing for motivation, but I was paid um, for my A's. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get an allowance. So I was groomed to know that there was a correct way. And the correct way was 100%, um, which is not a bad skill as long as it doesn't go too far. The pendulum we, doesn't swing too far. We have about half, a, about half a minute left. What is the single most important thing a person can do to move towards a more authentic life? I think the single most important thing that you can do um, is to get quiet and mindful and that you have a daily practice um, that connects you uh, to the divine flow of the universe. And where can people find those skills? Um, you can find those skills in a variety of places. Um, I think that, um, again, there's a lot of new age material that's out there. Um, I, I, I certainly think um, calling on a therapist um, that has a strong spiritual um, meditation practice works. Well, we're, time flies and we're out of it, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Our guest this hour has been Deborah Meal, founder of the Meal Foundation and co-author of Joyful Transformation. Her website, mealfoundation.org. This has been the Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace your authenticity. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something, something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com.